0: Can somebody, can somebody turn that fan off again? Thank you. That's great. You can be seated, too, unless you want to Oh, no, you're good. Uh, at this point, the people who are reading can start to make their way up here, too. Thank you. So this morning, we're beginning a new series on the Book of Ruth. And this book takes place during the summer, and it is traditionally read during the Jewish season of Shavuot, which Christians celebrate as Pentecost. So Ruth is a Pentecost story. So let's set the stage. I'd like for you all to imagine a small country where the rule of law is weak and strong men prey on weak women and children. Security is found in networks of extended family who try to care for one another as best they can. The people survive mainly on what they can grow and on the little that they can earn each day. And then an even greater disaster hits, a famine. And so as a last ditch effort to save their children, one couple without many close relatives makes the agonizing choice to leave behind everything familiar and seek a new life across the border where there's more opportunity. This is the situation of ancient Israel in the time of the Judges, when chieftains ruled the land. It was a lawless time, and the Bible tells us that during the time of the Judges, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. This morning's story is a story about refugees and immigrants, vulnerable women, widows living in poverty. Who come to rely only on one another and on the generosity of strangers. And over the next four weeks, we're gonna see what this short book has to teach us about loyalty and faithfulness, about redemption and responsibility to those in need. You come over here. Okay. Come
1: here.
0: Yep, you can be there.
1: No?
0: Go ahead. All right.
1: In the days when judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem in Judah went to live in the country of Moab, he and his wife and two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion. They were Ephratites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech and the, hus- the husband of Naomi died, and she was left with her two sons. Those two these, the two sons, took Moabite wives. The name of one was Orpah, and the name of the other was Ruth. When they had lived there about ten years, both Melon and Chilion also died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Then she started to return with her daughters-in-law from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had considered his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she had been living she and her two daughters-in-law, and they went on their way to go back to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law,
2: Go back, each of you, to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you, as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find security, each of you, in the house of your husband.
1: Then she kissed them, and they wept aloud. They said, No, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said...
2: Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Do I still have sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? <laughs> Turn back, my daughters. Go your way. For I am too old to have a husband. Even if I thought that was hopeful, there was hope for me, and even if I should have a husband tonight and bear sons, would you then wait until they were grown? Would you then refrain from marrying? No, it has been far more bitter for me than for you because the hand of the Lord has turned against them.
1: Then they wept aloud again. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her.
2: See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods. Return after your sister-in-law.
1: But Ruth said,
2: Do not press me to leave you or turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, there will I be buried. May the Lord do thus, and so to me, and more as well, even if even death parts me from you. When
1: Naomi, when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. When the whole town was stirred because of them, and the woman said, Is this Naomi?
2: Call me no longer Naomi. Call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? when the Lord has dealt harshly with me, and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me.
1: So Naomi returned together with Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, who came back with her from the country of Moab. They came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest.
0: This is the word of God for all people.
1: Thanks be to God.
0: Thank you, guys. The center of our worship this morning is the communion table. And as we move towards that celebration, I just want to take a few moments to share with you some themes that stood out to me from this first chapter of Ruth. How many of you have heard this story before? Most of you fairly familiar with it? Okay. If you haven't, I encourage you to read it this week. It's very short. It'll take you 20 minutes. So if you're just dying to know what happens to Ruth and Naomi, it's right there in your very own Bible (laughs) so you can read it. (laughs) There's a lot more to this story than we might assume at first glance. This story contains really complex issues about who belongs in the community and who is responsible for the poor among us. These are issues that we're still negotiating in our culture today. Because even though the Bible was written in a specific place and a specific time, its themes continue to challenge us. So this morning I want to share with you just a few things that I thought were especially meaningful for us to consider. In light of who we are, as Zion UCC in Delaware in the summer of 2018, we believe that God is leading us into a new season of life as a congregation. So what does this chapter of Ruth have to say to us about that? First, the idea of returning. This Hebrew word, return, shows up 12 times just in this first chapter. Return, go back, turn away, it's all the same word. When Naomi's life has crumbled around her, she decides to return to Judah. However, the same word is used for Ruth and Orpah's plan to go with her. And also for her encouragement to tell them to go back to Moab. So how can the daughters-in-law return to somewhere they've never been? The reality is that none of us ever really return. The places we long to go to, the places we long to go back to, they aren't really there anymore. They're changed, and we are changed. And usually, when we say we want to go back to a place What we really want to do is go back in time, which is impossible right now. (laughs) Naomi said she wanted to go somewhere familiar, but what she really wanted was to go back to a time where she had her husband and her boys, where her family was intact, when she was happier, when her world made sense. And as we think about how God is moving us forward as a church, it's really tempting to think about progress in terms of returning to a place or a time that we used to know. How we used to do things at that church we used to go to. Or how things used to be at this church back in the day when we had a big old Sunday school. (laughs) I think the message for us in Ruth this morning is that even if we try to return, we are inevitably going somewhere new. And thank God. We don't want to be the church that we used to be because this city is not what it used to be. We want to be the church that Delaware needs now. We are grateful for how this church has been blessed in the past. And we can certainly look to our past for guidance. But like Ruth, with boldness and courage, we are returning to somewhere we've never been before. It may look familiar, and it may remind us of things we've done before, but it's not going to be the same. And honestly, some of you may not think that's better at first. I understand that. But God willing, we are returning to exactly where we're supposed to be for this place and this time. Finally, the story contains themes of emptiness and fullness. We'll see that more as this story goes along. Naomi is grieving and she's longing to return to a life that's gone. And I suggest to you that that's giving her a little bit of a distorted perspective. Because in verse 20, she says that she went away full and God has brought her back empty. But the reason that she went away in the first place is because her family's bellies were empty. And yes, her family was together, but they had the emptiness of despair and the sense that there was no future for them. And now she's coming back to a place where some fullness has been restored. They're from Bethlehem, which means house of bread. And there was no bread there. They were having a famine. And when the word says Naomi heard that God had seen the needs of God's people and had given them food, it literally says God had given them bread. So there's once again bread in the house of bread. The fullness has returned. But Naomi doesn't feel that. She says there's emptiness. And the thing that makes me really sad is that when she says that, Her daughter-in-law is standing right next to her. Someone who has left her home, her family, her own security, and pledged herself to spend her life with this other woman is standing right there and Naomi says, I'm empty. And I'm saying that maybe her perspective in that moment isn't taking into account all of reality. We understand that she's sad. We understand that she's grieving. We know that changes our perspective but maybe it's not quite accurate. And that's also something for us to think about as we move into this new season. When we look at our life together here in the basement, do we see emptiness or do we see fullness? When we look at our past, are we whitewashing it and saying it was full and overlooking some emptiness that may have been there? When we look at what we have now, Are we seeing lack or are we seeing abundance? We choose, we get to choose what we see when we look around. In your own life, are there things that you are calling empty when really they're not? Is there maybe more than you have been willing to recognize so far? Do you have something in your life? Do you have a pain in your life that's skewing your perspective a little bit? Is there maybe more fullness than you've seen? And as we move to this table, we consider what it means to be empty and how God can fill us. And when we say that we're empty, it doesn't mean that we're worthless or awful. It means there's room in us for more goodness. To be poured in. John Henry Newman said that to live is to change, and to be perfect is to have changed often. (laughs) So this morning, as we pursue perfection, which in Greek means mature and complete, we invite God to change us again. We embrace the mystery of how we could possibly be filled by these little tiny pieces of bread and little tiny cups. It's not going to fill our physical bodies. But this ritual will fill the empty places in our spirits as we open our hearts and minds to experience Jesus Christ. So that's great religious language, and some of you may want to say, Pastor Beth, I'd like for you to be a little bit more specific about what that means. And so maybe for you, it's the very conscious and logical act of remembering what kind of a life Jesus led, and in this moment, committing yourself again to live in that way. Maybe that's what it means for you to experience Christ at this table. Maybe for others of you, it's harder to describe, and it's a sense. Some of you are very sense and feeling oriented maybe it's a sense of communion a sense of inspiration a sense of fellowship a sense of love and you credit that as coming straight from god to you this morning filling you up making you full because even though we come to the same table jesus meets us differently jesus meets us exactly as each one of us needs to be met We are invited to come exactly as we are, empty in different ways, but trusting that we will all be filled and changed. Because, beloved, as our ancestors in the faith have proclaimed for hundreds of years, this is the joyful feast of the people of God. And people of all ages, of all races, every body, comes from the east and the west, from the north and the south, and we gather about Christ's table. We begin our communion celebration with a moment of confession, which we always do, and we practice confession because it brings balance to our lives. Some of us tend to focus on our emptiness, and we need to be reminded this morning that there's no sense of emptiness we could ever feel that would make us unacceptable to God. Some of us need to come to confession this morning because we tend to focus on our fullness and we forget that there is an emptiness inside us that God can fill. Confession brings balance. So whichever way you tend to lean, use this moment to allow perspective to come back into your life. We're going to begin with a corporate confession that's printed in your bulletins that the church has used for hundreds of years and then we will silently ask the Spirit of God to show each of us what we need to confess and release that's the point of confession to release it this morning so please join me in this opening confession most merciful God we confess that we are in bondage to sin and cannot free ourselves we have have sinned against you you in thought word and and deed by what we we have have done and by what we have 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 left undone we We have not loved loved you with our whole whole hearts we We have have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. ourselves For the sake of Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and follow in your ways to the glory of your name. And now I invite each of you to take a moment to reflect, offering your own confession silently as you see fit. And now, friends, according to the proclamation of Jesus in Scripture and through the power of his death and resurrection, receive God's grace. Be assured that God hears our prayers and has already forgiven us. Let go of your pain and discover that God is not far from each one of us. Come to the table and experience being in Christ as we eat and drink together. Here at Zion UCC, we practice an open table, which means we welcome everybody who wants to share in this celebration, including children at their parents' discretion. Jesus welcomes everyone to his table, and so do we. We also don't force anyone to participate. If you would like to refrain this morning, there's no judgment for that. This table is open to all who wish to know the real presence of Christ and to share in the community of God's people. We embody this welcome by making sure no one is left out. As the trays come around, gluten-free bread is in the center. When you get to the cup, the clear liquid is juice and the dark liquid is wine. And now please join in the great Thanksgiving that's printed in your bulletins. God be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift lift them up up to to God. Let us give thanks to God Most High. Source of all, you created a planet full of life, including we humans, who are each and all created in your image. You taught our ancestors how to live in your world by giving them challenges as well as hope. You brought our forebears out of captivity in Egypt into fullness of life, and you sent prophets to teach us. Most of all, you sent us your child, Jesus, the word made flesh who showed us through his loving example how you love us. You call us to follow in the path of Jesus, empowering us with your holy breath to carry your message of hope and justice to the world. And so, with all creation, we join to praise you. Holy, 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 God of love and majesty, the whole universe shouts your glory.
1: Blessed is the
0: one who comes in the name of our God. Hosanna in the highest. Uh, will the ushers please come forward we're going to do this like we did we're all handed around and Bill and Shirley can help make sure it goes to the next table friends we remember that the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and he said this is my body which is given for you do this in remembrance of me In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And now I'll ask God's blessing. O God of love, we spread your table with these gifts of the earth and of our labor, and we present to you our very lives, committed to your service on behalf of all people. We ask you to send your Holy Spirit on this bread and on this cup and on us. Strengthen your universal church that we may be the champions of peace and justice in your world. Restore the earth through your grace that is able to make all things new. Amen.